Good morning, church. I think I'm on. Now I'm on. I am so glad to be here with you this morning. My name is Mark Krim. I'll be your new assistant pastor starting a week from Tuesday. My buddy Roger Garb said, well, we'll get you here and we'll get your feet wet and kind of get you to know some people and then we'll work you in preaching starting maybe in July. So we see how that worked. Uh, Roger is doing well. He, uh, he's still, his ears are still giving him trouble, obviously. And, uh, and we all told him as a staff, told him to stay home and get well. And so uh, uh, he will be back with us just as soon as he can. He sends his love. And, uh, and we're uh, anxious for the time that he'll be back with us. Uh, just a couple of things. First of all, I think all roads do lead to Huntsville. Uh, over the years, I, in fact, I just retired Friday. It was my last uh, day as a, as a high school and college band director. I spent uh, 30 years teaching high school and middle school music and uh, college music, and I was a, a college professor for 11 years. Uh, I also spent 32 years as a music minister in the United Methodist Church. I sure appreciate all the music that I've already heard this morning. Uh, I, I, full disclosure, my wife, Kaki, and I did go to Stephen F. Austin. And it's okay because we've been sent here as missionaries to the Bearcats. And so we're hoping that we can get a little work done here in the next few years. Oh, I, I look forward to getting to, uh, to know each of you and hearing your stories and telling you ours and, and look forward to serving uh, alongside you for, for many years to come. Our uh, scripture lesson this morning is from 1 John, the 4th chapter, 19th to the 21st verse. We love because God first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. After all, those who don't love their brothers or sisters, whom they have seen, can hardly love God, whom they have not seen. This commandment we have from him those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, O oh God, may your word be proclaimed either through me or in spite of me. Amen. There's a story told about a Methodist congregation that got their new pastor appointed. And everybody was excited about it. There's always some anticipation there. You know, you never should sure how this person is going to preach, if there's going to be a fit. Well, anyway, the Sunday came for the, the, uh, the new pastor to preach. Uh, and, you know, he read this scripture that I, I read this morning, 1 John 4, 11. But, uh, Beloved, if God loved us in this way, we ought to love one another. And the, you know, the sermon was solid. He hit, all the, uh, he hit all the bases, didn't stumble all over himself. You know, it was a B plus, A minus kind of sermon. Really pretty good. Uh, you know, the heads nodded after the service, and the SPRC chair breathed a huge sigh of relief. Whew. You know, thank goodness. It looks like this guy's going to be okay. But the next Sunday, congregation came in. They sang, they prayed. It was time to read the text, and he read exactly the same one that he had read the week before. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, then we ought to love one another. Now, they'd never heard two consecutive sermons on the same text before, but they were going to give them the benefit of the doubt, so they listened carefully and tried to be open-minded. But as the preacher began his sermon, lo and behold, it was exactly the same sermon that he had preached the week before, word for word. They didn't know what to make of it. I mean, was this some sort of joke? 
Was there some deeper meaning that they were supposed to get out of this the second time around, possibly? Did he know that this was the same sermon that he preached the week before? They listened attentively. They did, again, give him the benefit of the doubt. But as he left, there were a lot of head shaking and some grumbles. And uh, folks were heard to say, well, you know, sir, preacher, preacher, that was a mighty interesting sermon you had for us today. He just said, oh, great, Gary, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So the next Sunday, everybody was on pins and needles. The tension was thick as the service began. You could kind of sense that a storm was brewing. New minister began reading the text. You, you guessed it. It was exactly the same one that he had preached on the last two weeks. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, then we ought to love one another. And then, to their dismay, he began the sermon with the exact same words as the last two Sundays. Well, there was an audible grumble in the auditorium, and uh, uh, their heads were shaking. And before he could really even get through the uh, introduction, the lay leader jumped up and said, You know, preacher, we've heard this sermon twice now. What's, what's the deal? Is there, is there something wrong? Is there something we can, can do to help you? And the preacher got a wry smile. He said, no, no, every, every, everything's just fine. And then he got a steely gaze, and he looked out over the congregation, and he said, I tell you what, get that right this week, and we'll go on to something different next week. <laughs> At home right now, Roger Garbs is saying, never let this guy preach two weeks in a row. Behold, if God loves us this way, then we ought to love one another. This is the heart and soul of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what distinguishes us as Christians. And the words of that old camp song, they'll know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. God loves us, and we in turn love one another. This is the essence of the Christian faith. Yet when you try to put love into action, it's a lot easier said than done. Because face it, sometimes we don't feel very loving. And to be honest, some folks are easier to love than others. I kind of look at it as concentric circles. We start with our, our families, right? Our, our parents and grandparents, our spouses, our children, and our grandchildren. I mean, those folks are easy to love, right? Most of the time most of the time, but we get on our nerves. Sometimes even our closest family members, our spouses, our children, get on our nerves. And then there's Cousin Ronnie. Everybody got a Cousin Ronnie? I got a Cousin Ronnie. We, we love Cousin Ronnie, but boy, Cousin Ronnie can be hard to love. That's just our family. That's just our inner circle. Then you move out beyond that to, to our friends, and we have so many good friends, friends that we love, friends that we've had for our whole lives. But you know, when you have friends... Every now and then, one of them's going to disappoint you. One of them might let you down or stab you in the back. Those people can kind of be hard to love sometimes. What about church? What about church? Church ought to be a safe place, right? We love everybody in church. I'm going to tell you, I've had some of the worst chewing outs that I've had as an adult within the walls of the church. Not this one, but I've only been here since 730. So the... <laughs> The morning is yet young. It could happen. What about those people that are harder to love? What about the people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't have the same values as us, don't, 
don't worship the same way that we do. Those folks can be hard to love. I want to tell you a story about a, a former college student of mine that's, uh, she's a lovely young lady, about, she's 25, 26 years old now. She's a teacher. And during the pandemic, she was home from school and she had uh, gone to get some gasoline and picked up a bag of, uh, of pretzels and a Gatorade on her way out. And she saw a homeless man across the parking lot and she walked over to him and approached him. This is her words from, from her uh, Facebook story. This is Darby's story. This is Justin. She had taken a picture with him. I know that because I asked him what his name was. When I asked him, he stopped and looked me in the eyes and said, you're the first person to have asked me that since I've been on the streets. I gave him my pretzels and we prayed for provision, encounter, and healing for his mama, Ethel. Our interaction took all of 45 seconds, a bag of pretzels, and me getting out of my head and into God's. She said, start praying for compassion. Ask God to move your heart for what moves his and see where you find yourself. She went on to say, I know that I'm called to love. I know that I won't be held accountable for the validity of someone else's story. We're called to love. So let's just love. Isn't that beautiful? The heart of the Christian faith right there. Now, I wish I could tell you that that was my response when I read it, but it wasn't. It wasn't. My first re reaction was to look at this young girl taking a picture with this homeless man. My first reaction was, get away from him, because he'll give you COVID or worse. My second thought was, get in your car and lock it, because he'll steal your car, or he'll steal you or worse. And my third thought, maybe the most embarrassing one for me was, I knew her parents, and I thought, do your parents know that you're pulling a stunt like this? Dad's probably out there thinking that right now, right? I othered this man. I took him and I, I put him in a pile of untouchables. I didn't know anything about this man except from her post. I kind of did. His name is Justin. He's been on the streets for a while. His mama's name is Ethel, and she's been sick. My reaction to that, to her post, my reaction to her Facebook post has haunted me for a whole year. And I picked these verses out of 1 John because they are really a rebuke to me and to anyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ but who doesn't love their neighbor. This morning we're going to just take a few moments and look behind that admonition to love each other as God loves us in order that we might rediscover what is the source of love. And in, in, uh, while we do that, tap, tap into the wellspring of love that is both encompassing of all those we meet and enduring over the changing seasons of our lives. So to cut to the chase, in Mark 12, Jesus says, And you must love your God with all your heart, and with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Again, in 1 John, it says, Beloved, let us love each other, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. 
So when you think about it, the word love for us is kind of a generic term that conjures up a variety of meanings and connotations. It can refer to a feeling that's powerful enough to make you do crazy things. And just as easily, it can refer to a devotion to an individual or a group that demands loyalty and fidelity and commitment and sacrifice. Love can be, you know, as inconsequential as, I really love that vanilla latte at Starbucks, and I do. Or it can be as endearing and enduring as life itself, as in the song, Love Divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Poets and writers and mystics through the ages have expressed the meaning of love in countless ways, but probably none more eloquently than the Apostle Paul who wrote, Love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't envy, love doesn't brag, it's not proud, it doesn't behave itself inappropriately, it doesn't seek its own way, it's not provoked, it takes no account of evil, it doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. We often hear that passage at wedding services, right? I'd like to point out the fact that as much as we might like to uh, think of love this way, it's hardly uh, descriptive of the love that most of us know. Our experience of love is often anything but patient and kind. We're prone to jealousy when someone we love shows too much attention to somebody else. We can't help boasting when we do something extraordinary, okay, I think there must be an exception in there for children and grandchildren, right? We can, we can boast there, but let's, let's just put that on us. Sometimes we're arrogant and rude when others fought, uh, fall short of our expecta- expectations. Most of us from about the age of, uh, of two or so like to get our own way. And uh, we get pretty irritable and resentful when we're forced in submission by others. We like to think that we genuinely wish the best for others, but come on now. I mean, we get a little bit of satisfaction when some big shot gets what's coming to him, right? All this is to say that there's a big difference between the love that Paul describes in his, in, uh, to the Corinthians and the love that we experience day to day. So how do you explain this? The answer is that humanly speaking, humanly speaking, we, you and I, don't have the capacity to love separate and apart from God. We can feel infatuation or maybe lust. We can practice reciprocity. Hey, tell you what, you do something nice for me and I'll do something nice for you. But as far as love, genuine love, that can only come from God. The good news is that when we're willing to place God at the center of our lives, God's love fills our hearts and gives us the grace to love one another, not just in part, not just for the moment, but fully, intimately, completely, and for all time. Only love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Only a love like this can last forever. And so contrary to what the world would have us to believe, the source of love is not within us. It's within the very being of God, 
For God is love, and he who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Having said that, I'm going to add that God's love is anything, anything but abstract. In literature, maybe love is a concept, it's a principle, it's a, uh, you know, you can base lofty philosophical notions. But in the Christian faith, God's love is concrete, it's specific. In the words of our, our text, by this God's love was revealed in us, that God has sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the starting point to a life of devotion to God and service to others. It's the source of our ability to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves. Because Christ died for our sins, we're free to live in gratitude to God and share the good news of forgiveness with others. Because through Christ, we're reconciled to God. We're free to offer the possibility, the possibility of reconciliation to others. And because in Christ, God supplies the things that we need for a full and abundant life, we're free to reach out to others in the name of Jesus Christ with gifts of kindness and generosity. Truth is, in a word, we love him because he first loved us. And that's the tangible proof of God's love, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's love is anything but abstract, anything but abstract. It's concrete, it's specific. And in this way, we're called to love one another, not with uh, ushy-gushy feelings, but with deeds of loving kindness. Paul goes on to say, And if a brother or sister is naked and in lack of daily food, and one of you tells them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. And yet you didn't give them the things that the body needs. What good is it? The source of our love is God. For God's love is concrete and specific. First in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and repeated over and over and over and over again in deeds of kindness and love that we're able to share with others in Christ's name. We love him because he first loved us. And if we're faithful, our love is seen in countless ways, one of which is providing a facility like this. It's beautiful. It's inviting. It's comfortable. It's the first time I've been in that there were people. It's the only second time I've been in at all. But the, the first time I've been in here that there were any people in here. Folks can come in here and they can worship, pray, study, fellowship, and serve. Pray for our community, all its members. What a wonderful thing that is. You know, this is a commitment Sunday, and I, since I have not been on this uh, journey with you, I didn't want to say anything about money, but I'll tell you this. If we love the people of our community, the people of Huntsville, if we burst out of those doors and we love people with this kind of love, and then we gather them to us. We'll come in here, and this little capital campaign won't be anything. The thing is, we'll come back in five or ten years, and we'll have another one because we'll have, we'll have worn it out. Doors will be 
messed up because they've been so many people through them. The floors will be, will be done. We'll, we'll serve so many bologna sandwiches over there that we'll have to have a new kitchen. It'll be taken care of if we do that. If we do that. Miss Linda stole my sermon this morning. And she gave you a cookie too. She gave them a cookie. I wish I had a cookie for you. God is the source of all love. And the miracle is the more love that you give away, the more God gives you in return. Although Jesus' commandment for us might seem airtight and immutable, our ability to carry them out is still a work in progress for most of us. It is for me. But remember these things. Loving others doesn't make our differences disappear. When you, work, when you walk out of here, all the boxes that in your life you have put people into and all the boxes that you put yourself into are probably still going to be there. Honestly, they'll probably still be there. Probably you're going to leave with the same prejudices that you had when you came in here. Probably. Probably. But if we can look at those differences through the eyes of God's beautiful love, we at least have the opportunity to love our brothers and sisters as God loves us, to see our brothers and sisters as God sees us. In order to do that, we're going to have to practice forgiveness and reconciliation. And when I say practice, I mean that literally. Most of us are not very good at it. We must forgive and allow God to, and allow ourselves to be forgiven if we're to love each other as God loves us. And finally, that whole what would Jesus do thing that we like to wear on bracelets and, and t-shirts, yeah, we got we to gotta do all those things. Jesus' love was not passive. It was active. He showed his love and care for everyone, including and maybe especially those that maybe society de deemed as unworthy. When you're considering how to respond even to the most difficult situations, to the most unlovable people, respond with love because that's what we're commanded to do. In the meantime, my little student Darby has become my teacher. So I'm going to start praying for compassion. I'm going to ask God to move my heart for what moves his and then see where I find myself. I know that I'm called to love. I know that I won't be held accountable for the validity of someone else's stories. We're called to love, so let's just love. Well, here's what I hope you'll take home with you today. This commandment uh, we have from him, those who claim to love God ought to love their neighbor and, and uh, their brother and sister other also. If you'll do this this week, Wayne will give you a different sermon next week. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.